you want to turn uh, while I'm starting here to John chapter 7, we're going to start towards the end of the book of John. Uh, as Michael came, he, said, he asked Dan and I to preach the, the following two Sundays. Uh, we're, I'm preaching today. You're preaching next Sunday. Um, that's a little joke, sorry. Uh, but when Dan and I were talking, I said, you know, what do we start the year off with? What is something to do? And if you're like most people in America, your year is starting something like this right now. What am I going to do different? What am I going to do? I'm making these New Year's resolutions. I'll write them down. I'll do all these different kinds of things. But the, maybe it's just me, but I have the best of intentions to start something new. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it. And it takes that first time where something gets in the way of it. And you're like, oh, can't do it. That's okay. I'll catch back up. And then you're kind of going uphill. You know, I remember trying to read the Bible in a year and having, you know, this plan that you're going to read the Bible in a year and you get distracted and you can't do it. You're like, that's okay. I'll double up tomorrow. And by the time like you're towards the end of January, I have to read like 17 hours worth of Bible to be able to catch back up to even get done by the year. And then somewhere in February, I'm just like, you know, verse of the day. Let's just go back to that and start there. But the problem with that is because it's the way that our minds are. We have all this junk, we have all this stuff, and we just try to fix what we have. We're like, oh, can we just change this, polish this, do this? Um, right now, our cars are living this out for us. Uh, we drive some old cars, and they've decided they're tired of running like at all on a lot of stuff. And so, but the crazy thing is, so like on one of our cars, the water pump went out. Now, if you guys aren't mechanically inclined, there's water and radiation, radiator fluid that goes through your car. It's what keeps your engine from overheating and exploding and catching your whole car on fire. It's a really important thing. Well, so you're like, oh, well, the water pump's out. We need to replace a new one. Well, but if you replace the water pump, you also have to replace the timing belt. And to replace the timing belt, you have to take the whole engine apart and you have to do all this stuff. So this one little thing suddenly is this whole big mess. And you know what would be easier? If I just threw the whole thing away and started from scratch because that'll work. Well, we can't do that with our lives, right? But what if you could do the reset? What if you could push a reset button? And I, and I bring this up because I talked to Dan, because if you guys don't know, Dan is a personal trainer, one of the many great things that he's talented with. And I said, Dan, what if I'm a new guy coming to your gym? And I say, Dan, 23, man, this is the year I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do it. What would you do? He said, Bill, actually he said like this, brother, I tell you, no, he said, Bill, I'll tell you this. I would tell you to do two things. Number one, drink more water. Number two, take a walk. I'm like, really? He goes, oh, yeah. Just start there. Not, you know, we're throw away everything out of your pantry, redo this, do all this, do all this analysis. Let's take some easy steps. Not lower the bar and make it super easy, but look at something that's attainable. Drink some more water, take a walk. That's it. And you know what was really great about that? He didn't say drink this much more water or take a walk that's this long, he said, drink more water, take a walk. Now there's some freedom in there, right? There's some, there's some chances of like, okay, and you start doing that, you know what happens whenever you start to get a little bit of a win? You'll take another win after that, and you'll take going. And this whole idea of a reset is what if instead of trying to fix all these other things, you just said, let's just clear the table and start over. Drink more water, take a walk. And for you guys that work with IT or work with any computer thing, if you ever have a problem with any piece of electronics, the very first thing they tell you to do is turn it off and turn it back on. 
And the reason they say turn it off and turn it back on is because all the junk that's accumulated inside that piece of electronics, whatever things that you've loaded, whatever things are not working right, whatever all that, you turn it off, all that goes away. And you get to start from scratch. And then when we have it from scratch, that's where we begin to be able to rebuild. And so that's what our goal is for the next two weeks. Today, I'm talking about drinking more water. Next week, anybody want to guess what Dan's going to be talking about? Taking a walk. See, you guys are already, look, 23, your brain's already firing. And so what we're going to focus on is what does it look like to drink more water in your spiritual life? What are some of those things that we can do? And we're going to look at some verses, and at the end, there's going to be six practical steps. I don't have six points in my sermon. I have six things for us to look at by the time we get there. And the big idea for today, to save your hands some writing, because we have so much, is drink living water. That's it. And we're going to look at what God's word says about that, because if we could start our 23 off, Focused on the Lord, focused on this idea of living water. We sang about it in some songs this morning. Michael talked about it because he used one of the verses that we'll be looking at. You're going to see this idea of what is living water. And so in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 38, this is kind of where we're going to, everything's going to jump off today. It said, on that last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow deep, flow, sorry, flow from deep within him. Now, this, this first part here on, on the living water, just to kind of give you an idea of where we're at in context, because I always think the Bible makes more sense if we talk about it in context. It talks about this last and most important day of the festival. This festival is the festival of tabernacles, the feast of Sukkot, the festival of booths, any of these things may ring a bell, but the whole idea behind this feast, it happens in end of September, beginning of October in our calendar. It actually happens in the first month of the Jewish calendar, but let me tell you about the feast. It says that this feast was celebrated and took its name from the tents, which were erected around the temple in public places and courts and on the flat roofs of houses and gardens in you know, all these different places, and the Jews would dwell in them for eight days. They did this in commemoration of the 40 years during which their fathers dwelt in the wilderness. It was one of the three solemn annual feasts in which all the males were obliged by the law to appear at Jerusalem. So the festival that Jesus is making this announcement at is this idea of the 40 years in the desert. That's where the, if you guys aren't familiar with the Old Testament, Israel had been under slavery within Egypt, had left Egypt, had had been angered, angered God by questioning some of his plans. And so God said, your generation will walk the desert for 40 years. And so that's what this is a remembrance of. Because after that, that's not where God left them. He brought them to this great place of Israel. And so they're celebrating. And that's this festival that Jesus is talking in. Here's the feast itself. It says the feast was celebrated in this manner. All the people cut down branches of palm trees, willow trees, myrtles, and they tied these, these branches together with cords of gold and silver and ribbons. And they carried them all day. They took them in the synagogue. They kept them with them while they were at prayer. On the other days of the feast, they carried them with them in the temple and walked around the altar with them in their hands, singing, Hosanna, blessed is he in the highest, with trumpets playing. And this is the, if you think about this, this is Jesus' triumphant entry into the city before his week of execution. 
where he comes in and he's riding on the donkey and they're throwing down these palm branches. They had those palm branches with them because they were in the Feast of Tabernacle. That's why they had this. This is the same thing if you read in Revelation. John, the disciple, he's got a, he sees this vision of all of these saints around the heavenly altar singing Hosanna, waving these branches, doing this. It's the same idea. It's the same piece there. And there's a whole lot more we'll go into later if you want to with me at a coffee because I won't bore you this morning. But with this feast, the big thing, all of the men were required, if you were a Jewish male, to be in Jerusalem during this feast. There's a lot of people there. And in the middle of this is when Jesus stands up and says, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. So a little bit more here on it. So they would celebrate this feast and this festival that on every day, it was eight days long. And on the first seven days, there's sacrifices, there's prayers, there's walking around. But on the eighth day, the eighth day was what, it was the most joyous of celebrations. It said that during the feast, they would sing songs. And the, the research I did said that Psalm 113, 114, 115, 116, 117, 118, and 119 were all sung by the people. Those are all songs of praise and of deliverance and these other things. And they also, the priests would go and draw water from the pool of Siloam. Pool of Siloam, that's where Jesus told the guy that was blind and he put the mud on his eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Same pool. Whenever Jesus, excuse me, at other points when Jesus would say, go here, go there, the pool of Siloam, it comes up a lot. You may remember the paralytic guy who was by the water for 38 years you get the same idea, the same place. So the priest would go there, draw water in a golden vessel, mix some wine with it, go to the altar and pour it out on the altar. And the people would begin singing with joy. So think about this. You've got this amazing crowd of people, huge amount of people. And this is the biggest part of that festival and the priest has this golden thing. And I don't think it was gold to be ostentatious. I think to that way it would stand out. You would see the priest carrying this thing. And he's got water. He's got wine. The people are excited. They're pouring it on the altar to consecrate it, to say, look, this is, this is kind of the reminder of what God has done. And Jesus stands in the middle of this and yells out, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. And any who believe in me, as the scripture said, will have streams of living water flowing deep within him. So Jesus didn't do this over in the corner. He wasn't over on the side just talking to it. You know what's really cool? If you just want to follow me, it'll be awesome. That's not what he says. He stands. He takes as when all eyes are focused here, when all these things, and it's that really cool thing where you know something really big has happened and the quiet crowd kind of gets a little hush. You can almost imagine. And then Jesus belting this out, saying, come to me, drinking more water. And that's what we're going to look at. Is So think about that. That's the invitation, okay? Jesus has told us, come here, get living water. And he says that the, here is not the pool. We don't have to make a pilgrimage. We don't have to do that. Because it says in, in the next verse, it says, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says it very plainly in there. And he says that that is open to anyone who has put their faith in Jesus. We have the ability to pull this. And that's the invitation. Come to me. You'll have streams of living water flowing deep within you. Come to me. That's where Jesus starts with today. And so... 
put, a, put your burdens, put your cares, put those things aside. It's just Jesus saying, would you come over here? And I talked about that reset idea. And the idea of the reset, well, that's super easy. That comes from 2 Corinthians. Now, I say it's super easy because it's written down. It's not, hard to, it's not super easy to do. Jesus reminds us in 2 Corinthians, he says, through the letter of Paul, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and new things has come. He doesn't say, I'm going to take your broken, I'm going to take your sin, I'm going to take who you are, and we're just going to shine it up to make it look good. In fact, if you remember that story, he was talking to the Pharisees, he said that you're like a tomb, you're clean on the outside and dirty on the inside. That's not Jesus. Jesus says, it's all thrown away. It's all new. It's like my car. They just gave me a new car when I went to the mechanic at a reasonable price. Not really. But if that, it's that kind of idea. We're not just going to fix this and do this, but... I, at least in my heart, and maybe you guys have the same thing, I struggle with that because I keep trying to take what I have and just kind of mold it around instead of making something new. And so what if I told you today that there's an invitation for new and something different? Well, that would be awesome. But my whole goal behind talking with Dan and us putting this together is I want you to come at it from a place in your heart that's as easy as what if I said, it's just drink more water and take a walk? Not all these burdens, not all this performance, not all these different kinds of things. And from there, let's start off 2023. Is that okay? All right. And I'm going to be asking for participation here soon. So if you're scared to talk in public, go ahead and get over it. Because if some, or poke your friends so they start talking. Because I'm going to call on people if nobody says anything out loud. So fair warning. So. Here's, our, here's what we're going to look at, is Isaiah chapter 12. So if you want to go ahead and flip to Isaiah chapter 12, Michael read it for this morning. I will put it up on the screen as well, but flip to Isaiah 12, because I told you I'm going to give you six things to look at this morning, and those six things all come from Isaiah chapter 12. I'll start reading. From Isaiah 12, it says, on that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord, Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have compassion on me. Indeed, God is my salvation. I will trust him and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. You will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. And on that day, you will say, give thanks to Yahweh. Proclaim his name. Celebrate his works among the people. Declare that his name is exalted. Sing to Yahweh, for he has done glorious things, and let this be known throughout the earth. Cry out and sing, citizens of Zion, for the Holy One of Israel is among you in his greatness. This passage is from Isaiah, so this is hundreds of years before what we just read in John. But if you look right there in the middle, it says, you will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. Do you remember the story that we just talked about with Jesus of him saying, come to me, I will give you water that will not end. This is the same promise he made to the Samaritan woman. If you'd known who I was, you would have asked me for water and I would have given you living water that will never dry up. That same thing, that, that idea of the Jews coming and pulling water from the pool of Siloam and pouring it on the altar, scholars say that this passage right here is where some of that idea came from because it wasn't part of the original ordinance. So you have this idea of Jesus trying to tie all these different things together about what's coming out of here. And the promise is joy. The promise is dwelling with him. 
And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you your six steps to healthy living water drinking. And we're going to pull them straight from here. Number one, giving thanks to Yahweh. It says it right here. It's in verse four of Isaiah chapter 12. It says, give thanks to Yahweh. There's a whole lot of other stuff, but we're going to focus on that one because in my list of six steps to healthy water drinking, the very first one, give thanks. Give thanks. Super easy. So in the Bible, in 1 Thessalonians, it reminds us, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, so let's make it practical. Giving thanks to God. When you wake up in the morning, after you've hit the snooze bar a couple of times, or maybe the first time you hit the snooze bar, thank you, God, for today. Before you even get out of bed, check your phone, take a shower, whatever. Thank you, God, for today. You sit down for a meal. Pray for the meal. You want to pray out loud? That's fine. You want to pray in your head? That's fine. That's, start with giving thanks. Think about things that happen in your day along the way that you can give thanks for. So where's someplace else you can give thanks? Somebody better say something. What? In the car. Why am I giving thanks in the car? Just cause? Just in the car? When you get in your car, thank you, God, for today. Right? Just... Do what? For your car. car. Yeah. Thanks for rubbing that in. Appreciate that. So, so, (laughs) yeah, thank you. The brakes work today. You know, things like that. What are some other places that you can give thanks for? Think about your day, of patterns in your day, just places where you could say, oh, I could give thanks to here. Help out. At work? When you start, just thank God for this day, for this ability to work. All right. What else? In the shower, when you're in the shower, as you're washing your hair and going through your wash, rinse, repeat, you can say, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thanks for running water. And trust me, if you've not had running water for a couple of days, you will be very thankful for it. When you wake your children, you could say, thank you, Lord, for being able to wake my children. So, and maybe our children could say, thank you, mom, for waking me up too. <laughs> what else? Other times that you could say, thank you. On a walk? So just as you're walking around seeing the world and just say, thank you, God, for this. You know what's really cool about that? None of those places of saying thanks that we just named out were conditional. Thank you if this happens. Thank you when this happens. It was just thanks. If you start with a place of gratitude in your heart and saying thankful, especially to God, I'm going to guess that it will impact your day in some positive manner. I mean, if, I, if Dan is a personal trainer can get paid to tell you to drink water and take a walk, I'm going to say that Jesus has got this figured out with some of these things. But it's the same idea. It says, where do we start these habits from? Just thankfulness of going in. Let's keep digging into that Isaiah verse. Second part right after, we're still, we haven't made it out. Verse four yet, proclaim his name. In this one, if you get into this, to the language and we can get all, all deep into it, what it's really saying is call upon God's name. That's what that proclaim his name is, calling upon God's name. Because that helps us remember who the source of all of this stuff is. It's not us. It's not we're doing this. It's not the great power of the universe. It's God. He's got a name. It's Yahweh. He's already told us what his name is. 
In Acts 2, it says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. The same idea is that whenever it says in Romans 10, if anyone believes in him and believes Jesus was raised from the dead and calls upon the name of the Lord, he will be saved. It's proclaiming his name, calling on his name, being in there. And when you do that, that's the same kind of calling on the name of the Lord. I mean, the, the far end of the spectrum, Stephen, our first martyr, whenever he was being stoned by the Pharisees, it says he cried upon the name of the Lord in those times. I've heard it preached before that the best prayer you can ever pray is just Jesus, God. Because it says that God knows everything else. But what happens is, is in our day-to-day and as we're going through and as you get kind of in the, in the middle of something and problems start going, we just rely on ourselves by habit. And we don't take a minute to call upon the name of the Lord or to be, put ourselves in there. And because the other thing, again, calling on the name of the Lord, it doesn't have conditional and it doesn't promise an outcome. It's just simply an orientation of our hearts, of this drinking water. God, help me. Jesus, be here. Knowing who he is and calling on his name and the power that is. And that's the invitation that we have as Christians is that we can actually do this and call upon the name of the Lord. That's huge. That's huge. And, the, and whenever you think about that and you think of other religions and other things, sometimes you're not allowed to talk about their holy person or their prophet or whatever it is or show pictures or be able to look for or do this. But God is like... The door's open. Come in. Sit down. How are you doing? Be here with me. But in the midst of the world and things are tearing down on you and things are coming in, it's hard to remember that the God is up there and he's not just waiting to the side like, oh, I wish he'd say something. But he's, he just wants us to be there. And how much more, if you could remember who God is and you started your day with gratefulness, we're only two steps in. I think you could stop there. And if you start doing that for the next couple of weeks, you will see a change in your life. Kids even agree. So we're excited about that. We're going to keep going. Number three, celebrate his works among the peoples. Now, we're still in verse four. I haven't managed to get out of verse four yet. I, whenever we talk about this, it's sharing the goodness of God. Those are the great things. I mean, think about the stories that you can share about how God has done great things in the world around you. Great things in your own life. Because there's nobody can ever argue with your own personal testimony. You don't have to be a great scholar of apologetics and know all these different kinds of things. You don't have to stand out on the corner and pass out gospel tracts and street preach and those kind of things. You'll hear people talk about, well, I live a lifestyle of evangelism because of the way I act and the things I do. Fantastic. But then help close the loop and just bring God's name up every now and then. Maybe it's just praying with coworkers or praying whenever you sit down to eat. Maybe it's just saying, let me tell you the great things God has done in my life this week or with this time or with these things. I, I just saw an amazing story about that. I don't know if you guys read, I think it was Buffalo, New York, several weeks ago during the snowstorm. So they had the huge snowstorms. Guy talked about that his buddy was stuck up in way out of the way New York. Nobody else was, nobody could get to him. And he called him and he's like, and I'm going to give him a name. I'm going to say, Fred, Fred, you got to come get me, man. I'm stuck here. Fred's a mechanic. He's got a big truck. So Fred drives up there. Fred gets stuck. So now they're both stuck there. He's like, oh man. 
And of course, nobody has enough gas to really go through this. And so Fred's like, I'm going to die. This is bad. So he's like, oh, but it's okay because there are other houses around here. And he said he went up and down the road knocking on people's doors saying, can we come in and I'll sleep on the floor? He's like, I got $500 in cash. Will you let me? Nobody let him in. Now, that's not judgmental. I mean, now think about this. Somebody, even in the middle of a snowstorm, somebody you don't know wants to come and sleep in your house, lay on your floor. You don't know who they are. It's scary. So nobody would do it. Fred's like, I'm in trouble. So he goes back to his car and he's sitting in the car and he's got the engine running and he says he's there and he's kind of asleep and he hears this little, and there's some 80-year-old woman outside of his car who's got a van and she's like, I'm cold, I'm dying, can we work together so that we both don't die? And Fred's like, okay. And so by the time he's done, I think he's got like 10 people and they're all trying to like figure out how they're gonna do and Fred's like, we're all gonna die. That's what's gonna happen because we're running out of gas, it's cold and there's nothing I can do. So he gets on his phone and he GPSs and he finds a school that's very close. And so he goes and he breaks into the school and so he said the alarm is blaring, all this kind of stuff. He gets everybody in. The school's at least warm because it's still got power. There's a bathroom in there. They go to the cafeteria. They get some food. And this guy left a note and said, dear school, sorry, I had to break in. We were all going to die, though. Fred. That's it. And he said, so the next day they get out and they're cleaning off cars. And he said, one of the people that he had gone and knocked on the door of their house saw him out there cleaning off cars and comes up and he said, the guy had tears in his eyes. He's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't let you in. I couldn't. I was so scared. But he said, but I couldn't sleep all night because all I thought was I doomed you to death out here. You know what that guy's response was? He said, thank goodness you didn't. Because if you'd let me in, I would have been laying on your floor. And then that way, when this lady came up to my car, there would have been no one there. And all these other people would have not shown up. That's a story of God right there. Stories that we can share with other people about the great things God has done in your life. Even small things, even those little things are amazing to be able to share and to be able to put in. And all of us have great and amazing testimonies. I mean, I can only imagine for the, the nurses that are working with Steve. I hope one of them's an atheist and like hardcore because that's like Steve, like that's like blood in the water. He's like, all right, yeah, come on, let's start talking. Let's, let's go. And, but it's not from a mean standpoint or anything. It's like, hey, I will, I'm going to disarm you from everything that you think that you understand. And then you're, I'm just going to put you in front of Jesus. And you're going to have to argue with him. These are amazing stories of God's goodness in the middle of these things around us. So don't be afraid to share those. And if you're sharing a story about God's goodness, give him the credit by at least saying, let me tell you something awesome God did in my life. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make it known among all of the nations. The next one, declare his name is exalted. When we say that God's name is exalted, have I gotten out? No, daggone. So I'm still in verse four. I promise I'm gonna get out of verse four. So declare that his name is exalted. What that means, you gotta tell other people that God's name is exalted. And here's what exalted means. In Philippians, Paul reminds us, he says in Philippians chapter two, verse nine, therefore God exalted him, him being Jesus, to the highest place and gave him, Jesus, the name that is above every name. Jesus' name is special. God's name is special. If you think about the Old Testament writers, whenever they were writing down the Torah, 
when they got to the name of God, they stopped writing. There was, a, there was a whole ceremony of purification. They used a special pen that only was used to write God's name. When they were done, they stopped. They went back. There was a whole other thing. They had different clothes. They had different everything because God's name was so special to them. Jesus' name was so special. It meant all of this. It was the whole idea of, this, of God with us was coming, was here. But God's name is not exalted all the time. It's used as a curse word. It's used as just ah, exasperation coming out. But God's name is special or else they wouldn't tell us to call upon it. He would say, use any other word that you want. And so remember that God's name is exalted. And I'm not saying like you have to be, you know, the, the police and be like, oh, you can't say that. You can't do that. But it's okay to say, hey, that makes me uncomfortable. And for Pete's sake, your own speech, make sure that you watch those kind of things that are in there. And not so much from a legalistic standpoint, but again, that same kind of idea about just saying thank you, about calling on his name at different places, looking for this. If you think of God's name as being that important, then it's going to remind you his name is important because he's important. And because he's important, then I'm going to live differently because I have him and that he says that he will listen to me. So know that the name of God is exalted. See, I got to verse five. I finally did it. For number five here, sing songs of praise. Sing songs of praise. We start our worship on Sunday morning with praise. And it's not because Michael Fay is like, man, if I don't sing today, I'm just going to explode. Well, that probably is true. But, but the other part is because when you sing, it puts your heart into a, it puts your heart into a different spot. I mean, I think about it. Have you ever just been somewhere and you hear something that reminds you of a song and you just start singing a little catchy tune? Or in my house, there's at least one person in my house that sometimes anything in her hand becomes a microphone and she'll sing and it's just it's joy and it's excitement and it's smiling. And so when you think about this, whenever we're praising God and singing through, I told you in the, in the last day of the feast, they, saw, they sang Psalm 113, 114, 115, 116, 117, 118, 119. It wasn't like because they lost track of where they were. They were just so excited. They're singing. And so how awesome is it to sing songs of praise? To do that. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It's he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The psalmist wrote this down and it talks about sing, sing, sing. Come into God's presence with singing. Put your heart in a place of joy. Sing, sing, sing. Do you guys sing songs of praise and joy? Do you walk into a room, just start singing? Well, I know Chris does, but besides Chris, does anybody else just walk into a room and start singing? No. What about in your car? Do you, do you sing some praise songs in your car? You know, it's fun whenever the weather changes and people have their windows down and you pull up and you see people just singing and joyful. What if you pulled up and had some praise song right next to them? And you were singing, again, not to be mean and not to say focus on me, but just to put some joy out there. Or just in the middle of singing, what would that look like? So what are some other places? I already gave you two. 
And I'm going to go ahead and steal, steal one from you, Kelly, so, and the shower, so we can thank God and sing in the shower at the same time. So where's some other places that you think in your life that you could work some songs into? And it's, now it's by yourself too, so you don't even have to worry about anybody else hearing. So where's some places that you could sing? Cooking dinner? Sing while you're cooking dinner. Have a little dance party as you're going through it too. So that's fantastic. Where's some other places? Sing over children? So what does that look like? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah, bringing, encourage, bringing comfort to them because you're, you're filling their minds with this peace around them. Where are some other places? As you're walking down the road. Oh, Michael and I were, were joking. So one of the things that if on the days that I preach, I go to the Stony Brook Starbucks that's up there and I'll preach this sermon a couple of times to kind of t- t- to, to practice it through. But I put headphones in because that way you can talk really softly and still hear yourself. And that way I don't look like the crazy guy in the corner, you know, preaching to the, to the whole Starbucks. If you sit next to me, you're going to hear me and you'll probably move away because I'm over there just sounding like I'm babbling to myself. But that same kind of idea of just those places to get that song in your mind. What's someplace else? One more. Singing in your garden. So, yeah, whenever your hands are in the dirt, there's a joy that comes from the Lord and letting it out in song. Amen, amen. And that's the last one I want to get to is this last part of verse, of verse five here. It says, cry out and sing. And I'm going to say cry out with a shout. In Psalm 98, verse four, it says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, burst into jubilant song with music. This isn't a metaphor. It says shout. And you don't have to be a Greek or a Hebrew scholar to figure this one out. It means say it out loud. Now think about this. Think about times in your life where stress or just the world is so much that you just scream, that you just you or you try not to because that's what your body wants to do. But you're like, again, back to the crazy people thing. You don't do it around other people. Or when something great happens. I mean, think about watching a football game or any kind of sports, and somebody does something great, and you're like, yes. This happened, or a project you're working on, and everything lines up. There's a shout for joy. It's built into us. We have all these emotions. All these things come up. Shout for joy to the Lord. Now, I I would encourage you not to do this just in the middle of Kroger, because people will show up. Don't do that. But there are times, maybe when you're out on this walk, if you're in the shower, be careful. Your, your significant other may come running in thinking that something really horrible has happened. But just think about this, about that shout. And it's not at the top of your lungs, those kind of things, but it's more, it's unfiltered worship and praise. David walking before the ark as it's coming in and his wife like, do you know how much of an idiot you look like dancing and singing down there? And he said, oh, I'm just getting started. That kind of thing, that joy, singing out, shouting out. Six things, six helpful, six steps to healthy living water drinking. Giving thanks throughout your day, calling upon God's name, sharing the goodness of God with others, reminding others that God's name is exalted, singing songs of praise, and then finally crying out with a shout. 
I tell you, you don't have to do all six of them. I'm not telling you to keep a journal. I'm not telling you to do any of these things. But think about what your life would look like if you were to do this. And here's the thing. Let me tell you about my great King Jesus. If you read through the Gospels, how many times did Jesus give thanks to God for what he had done, what he was doing, or what he was getting ready to do? How many times do we see Jesus call upon his Father's name to say, Father, help me. Father, help them. Father, be here. How many times did Jesus go and share the goodness of what God has done? He didn't just tell a couple of people over on the side. He went into crowded places. He went one-on-one. He went and met with the religious rulers. He met with the outcast. He told everybody, let me tell you about the goodness of the kingdom and what is here before you. Jesus had no, if God's name was not being exalted, he had no time for that. You remember the money changers? who were not exalting God's name, who were not treating it with respect, who had set up their, their, their money and all, of their, and all of their commerce in the temple, he made a whip and started whipping animals and turned everything and said, my, uh, the zeal of the Lord has eaten is in my heart. My father's house would be a house of prayer. Singing songs of praise. This, the passage from John 7 said that Jesus was at this great feast of tabernacles, which we, I'd already told you they're singing songs. So you have to know that Jesus, if he is telling people who he is and what he stands for, he's not sitting in the back where everybody else is singing going, yeah, that's really cool. I already know that one. I wrote that one. He's not. No, he's singing. And who knows God better than his son? So you can imagine the joy he would have been singing with everybody else that's there. And then that shout, if you remember his last words on the cross, says with a shout he said it is finished so all i'm saying friends if it's good enough for jesus what has it got for you for 23 six things start easy and let god start to work in your heart and push away the world because i don't know if your world looks like my world but it's not all fun and daisies and there's all kinds of things going on out there and if i don't keep my eyes on jesus I'm going to put them on the world or I'm going to put them on me and it's not a fun place. But I can follow the idea of Jesus and put it there. And I'll leave you with this one little thing before I close this in prayer. I've read an amazing story that was talking about, does anybody get tired during the day? Like, especially like in the afternoon, it's like, oh, I got to have some coffee. I got to have something there. You have that? Yes, it's the weirdest thing. It's, it's scientifically proven. Of course, they didn't give credence to God, but it makes me laugh. A lot of times that happens is because in our jobs and in our world, we are fo- forced to keep our heads down most of the day. Our eyes are looking at phones, looking at things around us, looking at all these different things. You know what the best way to wake yourself up is? Look up. Yeah, if you look up at the sky for less than 30 seconds is what this takes. If you look up for 30 seconds... All these things start firing in your brain. Your brain's like, oh, we're supposed to be awake. Oh, quick, dump all this stuff out so that it'll wake him up. Quick, do all these different things. If you look at heaven, then you will wake back up. But the world tells you keep your eyes down all the time. Guys, I just want you to look at heaven and give you easy things to work with. And if we do that, you got some more water. And next week, 
Dan's going to talk about walking with Jesus. And he's got some great stories with that.